0: Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, Season 5, Episode 8, for Saturday the 4th of March, 2023. Coming up this week, I started work on Book 3 of my latest trilogy, even though the paint is still wet on Book 2. Book 1 will be edited in two days' time, ready for release to ARC readers in four months' time. That'll be on July the 3rd. Plus, I've got the usual array of useful web links, useful software tips, and writing updates for you. And let's start with writing updates because I did get some writing done this week. Yes, I've only just finished book two, but I'm straight into book three. My weekly word count total this week was 7,138 days. I only wrote over two days this week because I was doing some corporate training on Tuesday. The first corporate training I've done incidentally, ooh, a couple of years, I think for a couple of years, as far as I can remember. Now on Monday, I did uh, 3,705 words and on Wednesday 3,433 words. Now I was writing two chapters a day, so I have 67,862 words remaining on book three, the final book of my trilogy. So The reason that I started with fewer chapters than usual and with fewer days writing than usual was because I was using the Craig Martell technique, which is to write the first chapter and the last chapter, first of all, before you even do the rest. Now, because of the way my book works, because it has a present day storyline and a storyline that goes back in the past, that means I'm writing extra chapters. So what I did this week was chapter one, which is the present day. And that literally just, it could literally be the the next chapter. If it was a continuous book, it would be the next chapter right after the end of, of book two. It just picks up the action exactly where we left it. Chapter two was the first chapter in 1968. So I was back in 74, 75 in the last two books. I'm now back to 68 for a different character now. I also wrote chapter 45 this week, and that is the culmination, the exciting scene of the present day action, and then this book has an epilogue, so I wrote the epilogue, uh, which is present day of course, the epilogue was also written this week, so those are the four chapters that I wrote. Now, I had a complete crisis of confidence over last weekend, so after I'd released last week's diary, I'd set about trying to tie down the end of the book. And I almost thought I wasn't going to get it. I was wrestling with it all weekend. And then I think it was finally probably on, I think it was actually on Monday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, I think I finally got it. I mean, literally I'd left myself an hour on Monday morning this week I'd, because I only had two chapters to write. I'd started my—I scheduled my writing time to start at 9.30 and I I'd, I'd had to cut myself some slack because I was struggling so much with the end. I thought, right, okay, I'll, my wife's at work early. I'll sit down for an hour. And I'll try and just bring these strands together and work out what the end is going to be and I've been thinking about it all weekend thinking I can't get this I can't quite grasp the end of this story Uh, but on Monday morning bright and early Focus for an hour, and I got it. I I just got it, and so I wrote it. Uh, You know, so yeah, I just I just found it on Monday morning, and you know, realised what it was, and then now I've confirmed what it is. Like this morning, I was writing a couple of notes down, thinking, yes, you know, this is this is what the ending is now. So yeah, I did I did really struggle for that, and for a moment, I thought it was going to slip away from me. But we're we're back in action now. We're off. So those are the hardest chapters. I mean, the epilogue, the final chapter. Those are almost the hardest chapters to write because they've got to wrap it all up. And it does, it wraps it all up with a nice emotional resonance uh, at the end as well. So I'm I'm quite happy with that. Now it will need some work. I know it will, but I got the end written. (laughs) As you know, I'm there, I know what's happening now. I will just have to uh, rewrite those. I know I will. When I was writing them, I felt that, but we're there, we've got it. We've got something to work with. So as from next week from... Monday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, I'll be back to writing three chapters a day, nine chapters a week. Now, I haven't fully planned book three yet, but I do have the first nine, I've got the first 18 chapters done, so I've got enough planned to be able to write confidently for the next two weeks at nine chapters a week, so I've got 18 chapters planned, and I'm just going to come back behind and, and fill in the rest. So for instance, I'll be spending a little bit of time on that tomorrow, but it it doesn't really matter. I I know what I'm writing, I know what the end is. Uh, I know that I can write next week without a problem, that that's the main thing. And I will come back um, when I've done my writing. It'll be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, writing next week. And then next week, I'll finish the planning of book three on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I hope that by next Sunday, I should have the whole of the book planned. I may, to be honest with you, have it done before then because now I've got the end sorted out, I know where everything has to lead, and I knew I was going to have to bring a new character in it, but because I know what this new character does, and the role they play in the book now, now I've got all that confirmed, I can kind of get the rest of the book planned, so so I'm feeling, having having been on a, a very low with it last weekend, thinking I really don't know what I'm going to do with this, I feel like, um, you know, it was like the Hydra, and I'm, I haven't quite kind of wrestled all the heads into place, um, I know where I'm going now so thank goodness for that this book will get written and it does feel good to be able to write those nine chapters I did feel maybe I'd just set myself a too severe target of saying right I'm going straight back into book three I don't have to all of these times are self-imposed as you heard from the introduction I'm going to finish editing but one this week but it doesn't even need to be ready until July for art readers so I'm hopelessly ahead at the moment but that that's good <laughs> that, that feels good to have all that time to, to take time with edits and things like that I had a wonderful diversion actually when I suddenly kind of realized the timelines and how everything was going to work the the scenes in the past need to take place in 1968 now and I was just doing some some research on kind of, you know, what was going on in Hull in 1968, uh, what did it look like in 1968, just to see if there was anything I could pick up on to reflect the time, and I, I ended up down a little labyrinth of research, which was fascinating, now to think that I worked on the radio, just trying to think how many years I worked in Hull, I, the, the years become blurred, but I, th- I think I was there from, oh 92, yeah 92, I must have been there for, s- Six or seven years, I think. I was there for about six or seven years, if I remember correctly. Uh, And and if you think that I'm working in a news environment, so a lot of the stories uh, came up. And also, um, one of the last jobs I did when I was um, a senior broadcast journalist there is I sorted out the entire quarter-inch tape archive uh, that they used to have in the archive in the the city. No one had sorted it, and we, we sorted it. So we went through a lot of stories. I went through a lot of news stories, even though I may have just seen them as one line on a tape box. And I discovered something that happened in 1968, which actually has resonance today. They're about to celebrate um, an anniversary of it. Um, it's called the Hull's Headscarf Revolutionaries. Now, if you don't know Hull in the UK, um, it had a, a sort of tr- a fishing tradition uh, because it was along the Humber Estuary. it used to have a big fishing community along a place called Hazel Road. And th- this I knew from my time there. And um, a lot of fishermen lost their lives at sea. Uh, But the big story that I covered when I was a journalist there was something to do with the Gaul. That's what I was always um, talking about, um, about a a trawler that had sunk called the Gaul. Uh, And and that's really my, you know, big knowledge uh, about the former, you know, trawler traditions there and history. But this, in 1968, apparently, there were three trawler tragedies where, uh, you know, many men lost their lives at sea who, who came from Hull. And apparently a group of, of women, you know, wives and families of these men, um, suddenly took it upon themselves to start protesting and to protest for uh, rights, better safety conditions for the men who were going to see. Now, I can't believe that I worked at the radio station this long and never heard about the headscarf revolutionaries, and it was immediately fascinating, I read all sorts of things online about it, I found a one hour documentary from uh, BBC Four Telly, which I've put on this week's show notes, if you like this kind of thing, it's a really interesting story, but the the documentary is fabulous, Uh, but it's a good example of kind of what I'm able to use for my research, and I also um, checked the library, and the library had a book on it too. They had the author in the documentary, so I've got the book out too. Now, I, I won't make very much of this in in the book. Um, I just literally, I had uh, my main character there when the women were just walking through the streets, and it, it, gives, it gives it a local flavour. It won't be any part of my book at all, other than a backdrop, and other than the that the story will be dominating the city, and you, uh, uh, the character will notice it on... Um, you know billboards on newspaper billboards so it's no no part of my story at all it just presents a backdrop but for people uh, locally who read it and this is what I tried to do with my walker books it will fix the location in a in a moment in time and you know people locally will read that and think oh yes you know that takes me back to a time and it evokes an era but yeah, it was, it was absolutely fascinating. I can't believe that I didn't know about it. I would never heard about it in all those years working on that radio station. Uh, but as I say, the YouTube uh, video, it's about an hour long. If you love your local history uh, and you want to get a, a taste of kind of the, the fishing community um, in which this character lives in my book, you can see it on this week's show notes. So onto the editing that I've mentioned already that book one, I'm up to, what did I get to today? Chapter 36. So I got, I'm doing five chapters a day. Uh, I might actually do 10 chapters today just because of the the way my day's fallen. I got five done at the beginning of the day. I might get five done this afternoon as well because I'm getting this podcast recorded in plenty of time. So uh, that will leave me with five chapters left. But either way, I will be finished with the book one pre-arc edits by Sunday. So if you think book one has been edited now by Claire Cronshaw, I've gone through her 60 changes and made her 60 changes. I have now reread the book more as a reader and I'm not really, I haven't really changed very much at all but I there are sometimes word choices I don't like and that I've enhanced um, and also I'm, I really don't like when I'm reading a book. I really don't like it when you get that resonance between a word that's repeated across sentences. And where I've I've read something and thought, mm, no, don't like that. I've just changed the word, found a better word. Uh, and these are kind of author level things that you need to do, I think. And they're very they're very pedantic, very pedantic things. But they're the things that I want to put right. I've had to change one or two facts. The the lady who was murdered was in her 80s originally. When I gave the script to Claire, she's now in her 70s because I need the timelines to work better for the story. Uh, That enables me to have this character set in 1968, which gives me this lovely backdrop that I've just been telling you about. So just very, very, very superficial tweaks. It's just the hand on the tiller, just giving it a little push every now and then to get the book where I want it to be. Now, it seems ridiculous. When I wrote that on the teasers for this week's show, and I said that that book is not due to ARC readers until July the 3rd, I mean that's miles off, isn't it? I'm recording this on Friday the third of March. It's four months off, isn't it? March, April, May, June, July. Yeah. So we've got four months away until that is that book is due to art readers. So when I was saying that aloud, I thought, oh, that feels like a long way off. I, I might start to release it to art readers on in June. Um, it really depends on how Book Three goes. I think if, if 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 Book Three, I'll probably wait till I've got Book Three done in draft form, which will be by the end of. April it should be actually mid-April for draft uh, for book three and when I know that book's in the bag that's probably when I'll set those arc reader dates uh, just when I know I've got the thing done and I could just see I could just organize my time you know doing the edits when Claire Cronshaw gets them back to me and time for me to process them I'll, I'll just do a kind of final look at the calendar but I suspect I may release those to art readers early which means they're going to be ready for release you know way way ahead of time because the first book isn't going out till October the 2nd now why am I stage managing this two reasons number one because I've got a back catalogue now that makes me money so uh, although new releases are always good I don't have that pressure to get new releases because I'm living off my old releases. And then the second thing is, is that because I'm anticipating doing some form of course, as yet undefined, you know, a master's course or a Jericho writer's course or whatever it is I end up doing, which I hope to start in September, October, I did want to have releases going then because I felt like that they would feed well into that process and that kind of, you know, connection process with with other people. They'd probably find it very handy to see a launch actually taking place. So I just wanted to stage manage that for that particular uh, reason. So, I mean, that that feels good to be that far ahead. But book one, you know, literally, I will finish those edits. Well, I do five chapters a day. Then I go into Mac in Cloud and Vellum and make the changes. So... On, on Saturday and Sunday, whenever I get the book finished, I'll have a final edition ready to send to Art readers. doesn't have a proper cover on it yet. It just has one I knocked up in Canva on it at the moment, which is fine. That'll be fine fine for Art readers too if I don't have the covers by then. Uh, but the text will be... You know, as good as I can make it at that point, and then I will release it to readers who can then crawl all over it. They can see if we've missed anything, whether I've introduced any new mistakes when I've been making uh, changes to the edited text, and whether they see anything. Uh, I always ask them to read it for you know uh, good taste and sensitivity. Uh, but also to make sure that I haven't made any silly errors uh, you know, with the plot or anything like that or, or something confusing. I usually also ask my American readers, You know, are there any phrases I've used here which are quintessentially British, which confuse the heck out of you. You just haven't got a clue what that means. So I, I always just ask for that kind of feedback from my art readers. That's book one. Book two will not get touched until book one is ready to go to the art readers and book three is fully planned, so those are my next priorities, they are to completely get book one ready for the art readers, and to have book three fully planned, when those two jobs are done, I will start to edit, to do my edit of book two, I haven't let my wife read it yet, because uh, I know it's a bit too rough, I don't want my wife to read it yet, it's a bit rough to send to my wife, so I will do my book to edit on it, I'll let my wife have it. I'll, I'll release it to my wife in probably, you know, 10 chapter blocks. As soon as there's a substantial amount to read, I'll start releasing it to my wife to read. She will suggest changes. I will make those changes, and then it'll be ready to go to Claire Cronshaw for her edit. When I've kind of just gone through that and read it again, that will be ready for Claire. And now I'm anticipating that the edit, my edit on book two will start on the 16th of March, and it has to be ready for Claire Cronshaw, I think off the top of my head, uh, is it, oh, do you know what, I've had a blank, it's, it's, it's April, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's the 15th of April. So I got a month, I got a month for me to do my, my kind of book two edit. So it really is nice having all this time to, to, you know, to do all this work. So that's an update on the trilogy. Very happy that it's all you know going well and progressing really well at the moment. Let's move on to just a few bits of marketing news. Not an awful lot to tell you this week, other than to say that I got a scam message about my Facebook account this week. And it's interesting because this scam message fed into my fears. It it said basically that um, your account's gonna be limited because of some violation. And then it didn't quite ring true but it had some kind of I can't remember what it identified itself as you know community guidelines or something like that um but it you know it looked it looked okay it was in my it was in my Facebook messages it wasn't a it wasn't actually an email; it was in my Facebook messages. So I had a look at it. And, and The message looked okay, but there was a link to click there, and the link, the link shortener, you know, quite clearly was scammy. And then I scrolled down and looked at the message, and it had somehow brought in a load of other pages. And I, I knew at that point it was definitely not Facebook. But you know, it was it was interesting because I did smell a rat, but it it fed into my into my fears, obviously, or all of our fears, probably, of having our accounts limited. It did come in sort of internally as a message and it looked the part, it looked convincing. And you know, the impulse is just to click on the link and then sort of figure it out later. And uh, I'm pleased I didn't do that. I didn't get as far as the link. I opened the message, which which will be fine. It would be the link click that would have done it and probably whatever happened after the link click it would have probably said validate your account or something. At that point, it would have harvested uh, login details. So, uh, yeah, I'm pleased I I caught that. You have to be so aware, don't you, of these phishing attacks these days. It really did look the business. And all I can say really is just to warn you about it, but also just to say, you know, take care if you get one of those messages. And the best way to, to, to check it, to double check it, is to go into your business manager if you've got an ads account on Facebook and then to see whether the messages come through directly there. So this came in is just a uh, you know a, a page message, but but a, a message about your account at account level, if it was gonna limit your account, would come through your business manager. So that's just a little check that you can do if you need to do it. I did report it to Facebook and I've blocked the address now. I've also um, got a BookBub update for you. So since I last spoke to you, I did say you have to just keep throwing mud at the wall with BookBub and hope some of it sticks. I had, I think when I, I think I forgot to tell you, but I had Don't Tell Meg, the trilogy submitted last week, I may have forgotten to tell you that, but that was rejected over the weekend, last weekend, and then I submitted Left for Dead, the first book in the series, I, I submitted that as a free read, that was also rejected, I think that's had a couple of book bubs before that one, and then I submitted Morecambe Bay, the six pack, and I'm waiting for a response for that, they really... Bookbub've got a beard in their bonnet about my thrillers. I mean you just have to assume I think with Bookbub that not don't take it personally and that eventually hopefully you'll get a Bookbub. I'm I'm not taking it personally. Um all those books have enough uh, reviews on them now to make them attractive to Bookbub. I haven't got a clue why they're not taking them, but I'm just going to keep pressing on. And hoping that I get at some point uh, a feature deal on my thrillers. It's a long time, or it feels like a long time, since I've had a deal on any of my uh, any of my psychological thrillers. So I quite like one at some point. In other writing-related news, there was a interesting petition which I signed. Actually, uh, it came via this month's published Drive newsletter. And it was a really good newsletter actually this week. I've got a number of things to share with you from the Publish Drive newsletter. Now, Publish Drive, I used to use to publish on Google directly, but since Google's improved uh, for direct listings now, I, I don't use it for that. But I do list in China and on various other outlets that I can't reach anywhere else. And I do get a trickle of money coming through Publish Drive. It's not, it's not very much, but um, you know, a couple of dollars a month or something uh, just on my sci-fi books. But I do get a trickle of income from published drive it used to be much more when i listed uh, on google books now this petition is to stop the unfair removal of titles on amazon and the blurb says amazon continues to unfairly remove authors work from the profitable models of their business without accountability or compassion now you must have read either on social media or heard about it on other podcasts tales of of authors just having their account locked for some kind of alleged breach which as as you and I know as as honest authors we just haven't made we don't we don't do things like that I've had uh, a warning before and one of my books had been ripped off I think it looked as far as I could see it was a tailover over from when I'd listed wide my, my psychological thrillers were listed wide and somehow through Kobo I think it was Kobo this book had had somehow got listed um it was some kind of follow-through or I don't know whether it was a link with Kobo anyhow it got listed and it shouldn't have been I delisted everything in my portals and then I think I either I think it was Kobo I wrote to Kobo and said Can you sort it out and, and I never got a reply but it mysteriously Disappeared from the listings and, and it all went away. Thank goodness for that. But you know, there are certain things. This is basically what this petition is about. There are certain things we can't help because we got people ripping us off. Uh, you know, stealing our books. I've also had a book stolen. Left for, Bo- De- Left for Dead was stolen by somebody else and was listed as Left for Dead with a different colour, but it, uh, cover. But it was my book. Um, fortunately, I, I managed to get that stopped as well. Uh, and that was a reader who told me about that. But I would never have known it if nobody had told me. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not even a big author for goodness' sake, and it's happened to me. So, it's it's very interesting. I think it feeds into our fears, and so I've put the the web link to that uh, change.org petition on the show notes. Now, whether it'll do any good or not, I don't know, but it might just make Amazon stop and think. And I and I have fed this back to them. I can't remember what the feedback was, but you know, I just said there has to be there has to be a step between warning you and locking your account forever there has to be a conversation with a human being before that happens because most of us would just get on the phone it would be sorted in five minutes because we're legitimate authors and anybody who is a scammer won't do the call won't be able to provide any kind of credibility anyway but there has to be a human intervention before they ban your accounts that's really what I want and you know to me that's just a a measured way of dealing with the issue. So, yep, I, I signed that. Um, and and 35,000 or more at the time I signed it had signed it. And I think they're after 50,000. I don't know whether uh, Amazon will take any notice of it. There's certainly no obligation for them to do it. I'd also quite like somebody to start one uh, for Facebook because Facebook have also done the same thing to me. They banned me for a year. No, no um, reason given, just some alleged uh, you know uh, transgression of their... Rules, which they didn't tell me uh, what they were that I I was supposed to have broken, and then a year later, all of a sudden, my account is unlocked with no explanation, and it's been fine ever since. But I'm very jittery, as you heard from that um, scam note I got from Facebook earlier today. I know that you know we're on a hairpin trigger that they can just bam me just like that. So I kind of quite like to see Facebook and Amazon introduce this this policy of not blocking an account. I mean, certainly one with a track history. If you think how long I've been doing this now, um, you know advertising on Facebook and advertising on Amazon it would clearly be quite irrational to block block your accounts at this stage you think how many pounds I've spent on Facebook but then that that's what they do they'll get a beer in their bonnet and lock the account so there just has to be some kind of human intervention or some kind of more measured approach to this so I, I kind of fully endorse that that's me getting into kind of the politics of, of writing but yeah I feel really quite strongly about that. I did say that Publish Drive has a great newsletter this month. I'm not going to go into these articles in any detail, but there were two articles on the newsletter for for beginners and one that I thought was useful to everybody who lists their book wide. So I've I've shared the web links, the direct web links that, for these. There's a Publish Drive article on tips on how to write book blurbs, which I've I've kind of said is for beginners, but we could all use that really. It gives you a nice little formula for what your book blurb should contain. There's another article on how to publish on Google Play. I list on Google Play. If you are listed on Google Play, I'm sure you will find that of interest. And also uh, Kindle Unlimited versus, um, and KDP Select versus Going Wide, which is better for self-published authors? Again, that that kind of goes to the heart of all of our businesses. So I've recommended it really as as a beginner's, kind of article, but it's the sort of article that I think all of us would benefit from reading. So, you know, a lot of value in that published Drive monthly newsletter this month. If you don't get it already, then I would recommend that you take the newsletter because it's really good for keeping you up to date with a lot of industry news. I'd mentioned last week, in fact, I've mentioned over the last two weeks that I've been looking at a piece of software, a piece of kit that will help to replace Google Analytics. And the piece of kit that I've been looking at is PIWIC, P-I-W-I-C-K. And this is because we're about to get a new super complicated version of Google Analytics, which I think is just an overegged pudding, probably for, for most of us as authors. If you're a if you're an LJ Ross kind of author at that level, then you probably do need to be on Google Analytics. But as a, a kind of Paul Teague level author, you, you really don't. It's really not that important. Um, it's good data to have, but it's really not that important. And it's really not going to change your strategy very much. So um, I told you last week that with PIWIC i had been having sort of problems getting it, in, not getting it installed, but getting it recording data. Well, I'm, I, what I did is I'd, I'd use the WordPress plugin that they give you and that hadn't recorded the data. So I, I'd gone for the code. They give you also some code that you can cut and paste. This is usually what I would have done with, with Google. I'd have cut and paste their code. So I took the code that Pivot gives you and cut and paste it into all of my sites. And I think I've got two of the sites reading now, but but about um, the, the, the most important one, or one of the most important ones is self-publishing journeys. I want Paul I want pault.net going, and I've got a couple of other projects in the background, which are neither here nor there. Um, but it's only really reading properly on self-publishing journeys now. Now, I don't know what the problem is. And this is the sort of thing that I do, I haven't really concentrated on it. I've done it piecemeal. So I I need to apply myself to it. I just wanted to get one going so I could have a look at it. Uh, And so I've got self-publishing journeys going now, and now I need to work out why the heck the other sites aren't kind of reading the data properly and it's probably because there's some code in my site it might even be existing google analytics code that I've got in there uh, that's causing a a clash or a problem it's it's, it's something like that but I need to figure it out now and that's going to take a little bit more time but let me report back on selfpublishingjourneys.com that website because it's now um, giving me the analytics and what I can tell you is that that is a free account from Piwik and it's giving me exactly the kind of data that I used to get with the old style Google Analytics, which is basically, you know, who's looking at what page, how many people looked at that page, and where my web traffic's come from, and to be honest, that's pretty well all I need to know, Um, you know, I need to know if there are uh, sort of pages, what we call bounce pages, that people come to and then disappear from, because because I'm not really doing sales anymore, that doesn't matter, it did matter when I was doing sales, but it doesn't really matter very much now, so uh, it's what I'm saying to you basically is that PIRIC does the job fine. If you can make it work quicker than I can, it should just be as easy as putting their plugin in and hooking, hooking it up sort of with their website. Um, it's not complicated. The analytics are nice and clear and simple and, and relevant and all of that sort of stuff. So, you know, I'm still going to, to recommend you take a look at it if analytics are important to you. You should also do a little bit of reading up on on Google for analytics just to see what you think and whether you make the decision that I do you know do a bit of due diligence around this I'm just sharing what I'm doing rather than making a recommendation but hopefully helping to steer you through it but uh, this is what I'm going to do I'm going to stick with Pivic for now I'm quite happy with that level of data that I'm getting on self-publishing journeys Uh, it's a bit annoying that it's caused me problems on the other sites you know normally I just stick the code in or stick the plug in and it works straight away so not quite sure what's causing that problem but I'm sure I'll figure it out eventually and when I'll do I'll let you know but it's probably something to do with what I've got on my site that's what I that's what I think it'll be something on my site blocking it or causing a complication so it's something that I'm going to have to figure out it won't be anything to do with what they've given me it'll be something to do with me and my sites the other th- software I told you that I'd been looking at was publish wide I think it's dot com I've put the web link on my notes here but i've put the i have put the web link on this week's show notes so it'll be there if you want to check it so publish wide publish wide looks like it's going to be very promising in that it pulls in um, all of your book sales and it pulls them in from multiple channels so amazon drafter digital uh, Apple if you've connected to Apple, Barnes & Noble, Google, it'll pull all your books in but it also links up via a direct link so via like an API, it's not an API but it's like an API link and that it pulls the data in, you don't have to cut and paste spreadsheets or any of that nonsense. It pulls in your ads data from Facebook and Amazon and then when it's working properly it will then kind of tell you what you need to know which is your ad spend versus your income all that sort of stuff now so I'm I'm quite excited about this but it's not working and and the reason it's not working is it's it's stuck on 25% syncing of my Amazon account so it's trying to sync up the data and it's stalled at 25% now I've tried it with the chrome uh, connector plugin that you get and I've tried it with the app on the computer and it just stalls at 25% sync now it's if it won't sync with my Amazon data it's not going to give me what I need it's pulling in uh, Kobo at the moment it's pulling in my Amazon ads and it's pulling in my Facebook ads and I can see some partial data there it looks tantalizingly exciting in the way that it presents it and the way that it's going to let me interrogate it but it will not pull my Amazon data in so I've sent a message to the help desk that was done midweek so far no reply which is not really very encouraging is it so um, my kind of update with published wide and I really want this to work because it does look very promising it is a paid product by the way uh, I'm on a 14-day trial at the moment so I quite like it to get sorted by the time the trial's up so I can uh, look at it properly and decide whether I'm going to pay for it but it looks very promising it hasn't it's not working yet they haven't got back to me through the help desk. That's not really a very good start. So I'll let you know if I resolve that one too. But I've been chugging these two softwares along for the, the past couple of weeks, a little bit frustrating because it's nice if you just turn something on and it works first time, but unfortunately they haven't. I got a Twitter message from Jerry Evanoff this week. Highly recommend the You Author podcast with Rich Casey and Jerry Evanoff, really getting a lot of value from that podcast these days. It works extremely well having two authors doing different things at different stages in their careers, uh, bouncing off each other and sharing information and tips. So highly recommend New Author Podcast if you haven't listened to it. Uh, Jerry said, Hi Paul, went ahead and installed BookEdge. This is another thing I was talking to you about the other week. BookEdge is the thing that I think is a 14-day trial you can get, but the the most important thing about it, you don't necessarily have to use the software, but what it will give you is um a number the number of followers you've got for your author account and so this is what i've been asking you to to let me know about jerry has checked his uh follower number on amazon and he has 74 so it's very close to what amelia had as well so jerry has and this is close to uh, amelia D. Hay too who, who contacted me last week so jerry's got three books published two novels and a novella. they're all part of a, a sci-fi time travel series and Jerry hasn't published anything new since 2020 for a variety of reasons, one of those being that he's changed to uh, crime books, but he's hoping to publish his third in a, I beg your pardon, his first three in his murder mystery series later on this year, and he'll try and get that number to grow, so he's got 74 with three books published and and nothing new for the last couple of years, And and that's about where Amelia D. Hay was, that kind of number, so Again, all I'm trying to do here is just trying to get some form of frame of reference so that you could look at your followers on Amazon and say, oh, you know, I've been doing this so long. I've got so many books out. That feels about right to me. You know, so if you've got, um, I think Amelia said three, three or four books, um, same sort of number of uh, as Jerry. So she's got about uh, she was about that same ballpark kind of figure. And then John Cronshaw got in touch with me and um, John's got a lot of books out as well he's been at it as long as I have and he was about 50 more than me but we were, I think we were both in the 700s so again just as a, as a ballpark just so that you know roughly where you are I just think it's quite handy and, and if you want to let me know your numbers just pass them on and I'll share them with uh, everybody else don't, don't worry about whether they're low or high I think again it's just a good idea to get a, 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 an idea of where these numbers should be I had a mindset moment this morning, it was a positive mindset moment, I can't remember what I was doing, who knows what I was doing, you know what it's like, Um, but I just happened to look at my 12-pack on Amazon, my 12-pack of 12, obviously, psychological thrillers, and um, I haven't really clocked this for some time, I think the last time I told you it was just reaching two and a half thousand reviews, that 12-pack of books now has three thousand two hundred and eighty-three reviews, now that is astounding to me. If I, when I was struggling in, in the early days to get, you know, my first ten reviews, the first twenty reviews, and that seemed like a lot. I would never have thought that I, I'd ever get anywhere near three thousand two hundred eighty-three reviews. And uh, interestingly, I've been looking at a couple of authors this week, L. J. Ross. And, um, or oh, what is he writers JD Kirk, which is Barry Hutchinson? They, they've been having some great success in the charts, and you should see the number of reviews they have on their books. They're in like 30 or 40,000. I mean, can you we can only dream of that? It's 10 times what I've, I, I've got, but then you say, I know, I know that an author who's just started out will hear my 3,283 and think, Oh, you know, we only dream of that. So we're all, all just trying to get to the next level with this, aren't we? But I, I am. Very pleased with 3,283 reviews. I never thought I'd get that number of reviews on anything. And what I'm particularly pleased with is that it's a 4.4 review average on those books. Now, as a, that's a body of work. That's a body of work of 12 of my books. So it's not just one book. It's a, it's a lot of my books. <laughs> you know, you've done a lot of tea reading by the time you've read those 12 books. And to have a 4.4 average on that, I'm really quite pleased with that. Now, I would like, I really like, and this is why I'm looking at doing courses, I would like to push that up to a more steady 4.7, 4.8, you know, as I see on some of these great successful writers, I, I'd like to have that kind of, you know, that level of confidence in the writing, about four, you know, 4.6, 4.7, 4.8, I'd like to nudge that on, so it's over over 4.5, I think is what I'm saying to you, I'd like it to be over 4.5, so 4.6 and above, and that's really why I'm looking at doing a course it's about plunging myself into craft it's about getting critique and feedback from contemporaries you know people who are doing the same thing as me who are immersed in the same genre as me and it's about trying to get that incremental edge that incremental improvement to just try and improve the quality of my writing but you know, I, I don't rate myself as a good writer. I'm reading my stuff now. I think I'm not really a very good writer. I think I'm alright coming up with stories, but I, I wouldn't rate myself as a good writer. And um, but you know, when you've got evidence like that, three thousand two hundred eighty-three reviews at four point four average. Uh, however, however negative or, or downtrodden your mindset, you can't really argue with that, can you? So I, I did have a positive mindset moment about my writing this morning when I did notice that. I just wanted to give you a reminder, a timely reminder, because we're a third of the way through this season, Uh, this is just in case you're getting comfortable with these weekly podcast episodes coming back, I just need to remind you that season five is going to end on Saturday the 24th of June, that is the week after Self Publishing Show Live in London, so it will end. Uh, on on that date, Saturday the twenty fourth of June, and whether there's a season six, that's going to depend on what happens next with my writing. So, really, I did this season again because I felt like I was reinvigorated and I got something new to say. I didn't, I don't want to tread over the same old material um, all the time. And primarily, this season is to follow in great detail the writing of a trilogy and, and, and the kind of preparation of that trilogy for launch. So if there is a season six, that will be dependent on whether I go off and do a course. And if I go off and do a course of some sort, well, then clearly there's going to be a whole load of new learning experiences to share with you there. And also, of course, I've got a book launch coming up from October. So if there is a season six, I will be taking the summer off. But if there is a season six, it'll be coming back uh, September, October uh, of this year. And it will coincide with uh, me doing a course. If I do a course and or the launch of those books but again I just want to feel like I've got something uh, useful to say something that moves the game on for you if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time I don't want to just be churning over the same old stuff so um, that's what season six is dependent on but uh, don't get too comfy uh, Saturday 24th of June will be the last episode in season five I just want to make sure I manage expectations very clearly. So, uh, links to share then. And uh, I, I'm sharing a lot of these links now. I don't know why I never did this kind of in any organized way on previous podcast episodes. It seems the most natural thing on earth to do right now because I seem to have so much good information coming in via email newsletters that I want to share with you. So, just a reminder if you want to check the show notes for this week, you'll find the show notes always on the website uh, at selfpublishingjourneys.com. And every time you click on there, you will be recorded now on my piwick. Uh, analytics that I'm getting so you could you could make a, a, a an appearance on my analytics so first of all to share Curtis Brown uh, how to plan your novel in 10 steps again uh, primarily for beginners but I read this stuff and I I always find it interesting you know it never hurts to go back and, and look at some of the basics but that's a nice little article again I won't go into much detail about this but um, you know how to plan your novel in 10 steps that's going to be useful to everybody. And even if one of those steps uh, gets you thinking or gives you a new idea, that's going to be worth taking a look at. Interestingly this week, uh, I can't remember where it was, but Matthew J. Holmes shared a link as it was a single link to his whole back catalog of emails. Now I've said to you before with Matthew J. Holmes, he's sharing some great stuff. I saw Dick Thacker, who's another marketer this week on Twitter, saying that you know he's the man at the moment for clarity and uh, precision with Amazon ads so it's you know it's not just me saying that I think he's getting a bit of a name for himself but uh, you know I understand that courses aren't for everybody that's entirely up to you whether you decide to go and buy courses or not but one of the thing I have been saying consistently to you is that Matthew does have a free podcast back catalogue there that is packed with useful stuff that's completely free and also his emails are completely free and they're packed with information too so I am urging you to access the free stuff that's what I really want you to access and uh his uh, back catalogue of emails which is really you know top quality emails are very good you'll find it at matthewjhomes.com forward slash blog but I've put that link on this week's show notes it's well worth going back into the archive there's some really uh, top quality stuff on there you'll probably have heard about this on Joanna Penn's podcast and probably even a couple of other podcasts this week because everybody's talking about it it's the Alliance of Independence uh, Indie author earnings survey it's quite hard to say that the ally in the author earnings survey and I have put the web link for that now one of the things I get great value from every year is, is is it written word media I think they're the ones who do it aren't they they do this author earnings update at the end of every year. And I love it. It's really, really interesting. They always kind of survey people and then they, they give a breakdown to say, if you want to be a six-figure author, these are the things you need to do. And it's usually something like write in series, release so many books a year, have high quality book covers, pay for an editor uh, and, and pay for uh, advertising on Amazon and or Facebook ads. That's usually what they tell you. If you want to be a six-figure author, that's the conclusions they draw. So I think these kind of author earning surveys are brilliant and we had the other one um, this was about traditional authors that said I think traditional authors earn is it about seven thousand pounds a year something like that I can't remember who did that research but these are fascinating but they're only as good as the information that gets fed into them and I have to say because you know I bulk at doing these things sometimes if you're earning less if you're earning slightly less money from your writing, you might feel slightly more reticent about putting your numbers in there. But of course, if you're earning a fortune from your writing, you're going to be a lot more willing to show off your numbers in a survey like this. Now, it does say that it is anonymous, but these surveys are only as good as the information that we all put into them. So I'm going to mention it to you and I'm going to um, sort of respectfully ask you to put your numbers in there, whether they're high or low, because the, the better that survey is, the more of us who fill that in, the more of a touchstone we're gonna to get. It's just like I was saying to you about the followers on Amazon, because this data doesn't get shared very often. Um, you can share it anonymously here to the benefit of everybody, and then we'll get an idea where the survey gets crunched, all those numbers are crunched. We'll get a good idea of the kind of figures we should be, well, I say we should be earning, the sort of figures that people at our level are earning, and what we need to do to improve our numbers and uh, you know what, what we can aspire to at certain stages in our author career. So that full web link will be found on the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. I sat in. I think I might mention this last week. Uh, I sat in on a webinar last week, "How to Scale Your Ads" by Nicholas Eric. And I've recommended that you check Nicholas out. He does some. He does a lot of free webinars, but they. I mean, obviously, they're usually selling a course, but the free webinars are still packed with information. And they usually have a freebie or so attached to them. So again, you don't have to buy the course if you don't want to, but you can absorb the the free content, which is always great value. So um, I'm going to give you the link to the replay of that webinar. Now, just to flag up though, the replay might not be available when you look at it. It might go to a blank page because it's sales dependent. He's He's selling a course. He's using the webinar to sell a course. And I think when the course is kind of full up, when he brings the drawbridge up, the... The, re- the replay will disappear. So I'll put the link on there, but if it's disappeared, you know, we're, we're too late. It's too late. Now, what I will tell you about this presentation is it was quite an unusual affair. In that he'd like, he, when he was on camera, he had his electric guitar with him, and, and there was a bit of messing around with the electric guitar during the presentation. So when I was watching it live, I clicked off it. And thought, well, look, you know, kind of when we get to the content, I'll I'll get the replay and I'll fast forward. And when we get to the learning stuff, I'll jump to the learning stuff because I'm not really interested in this. A bit weird, so I will just warn you off that that if you come to the come to the presentation, just kind of click along the video until we get you know diving into the content rather than the electric guitar bit, whatever that was about. So I'm not really quite sure what was going on at the beginning. Um, It was almost like the camera had been left on for quarter of an hour or something like that. But but. Please let me reiterate, the content is good, the learning is good, and Nicholas does this at a high scale. I I just prefer my webinars without musical interludes, but um, the content is still there. Just click a little bit ahead to find it. If you want a great example of how not to handle a crisis, then take a look at the LastPass password manager recent security breach. Hey, this month. How many months is it since the security breach that we've all been talking about? And and people have written countless blogs about this, informing us about it. And then I got my first communication about it from LastPass. So this is so disappointing because I've I've used LastPass as a recommended resource. Uh, I've mentioned it on these on my kind of lists of recommended resources a couple of times. And they had managed a previous breach really well. I just I do not know what they were thinking of with this security breach I mean it really is this is how you do not learn everything you want to about how not if you've ever got a crisis at your work or in your life this is how you don't handle it okay it's complete bad practice but anyhow I got the first message from them about this uh, an email and there's messages popping all over now and I got it in my little app that I use my little chrome add-on that I use basically explaining what happened and how you could defend yourself and protect yourself against it now you know talk about closing the stable door after the horse has bolted but but having said that and had that little moan um you know they're only several months too late there is some really good information on that blog post it, you know it's a, uh, whether, whether you use last pass or not so I've shared the web link in case that hasn't caught up with you and you're a last pass user. I've put that link on the show notes this week but there's some really kind of quite good security information on there and it's well worth a read even though it's is it half a year too late now, it's a long it's a long time coming isn't it? But um, yeah, and if you want to know how to handle a crisis in your working life in future just basically don't do anything that LastPass did uh, because they handle it uselessly. (laughs) So I can't, I can't, well, you know, I still prefer LastPass as my product of choice for password management. Uh, You know, it's, it it works nicely on my mobile phone. I got it all over the place. I have gone through and changed all my passwords on LastPass since the security breach, but you know, that really doesn't instill a lot of confidence, does it? it? It really doesn't. Anyhow, the link is on the show notes this week. And then finally, on the the links page, I recommended to you a couple of weeks ago a Society of Authors uh, webinar about uh, crime investigation in the UK. And of course, I signed up for this immediately because uh, you know I've always I'm always in the market for former uh, police officers, former detectives, who now. Provide services to authors. They talk about the UK kind of crime system, how they manage cases, um, you know, the ranks and how people, uh, you know, would uh, tackle a murder case. That's exactly what this was all about. Now, for my money, it was absolutely brilliant. It's exactly what I'm writing in my current police series. It was brilliant. I took a whole load of notes, I took screenshots of the slides. It was excellent Uh, for my money. So, for me, writing a. uh, I've got a murder investigation team, basically, a major investigation team. Uh, That's what I'm writing. You know, all the ranks were there, all the procedure was there. That's exactly what I'm writing in my current series of books. Now, clearly, I've got a lot of insight into it through what I did as a journalist, but you can't beat police insight. You can't beat hearing from somebody who used to do that as his day job and did it as his day job for years. So, in case that's the sort of thing you're writing or it's the sort of thing you're thinking about writing this guy was was brilliant and I've forgotten his name off the top of my head it was Stevenson thing I've gone straight out and got his book from the library it's on order from the library and I sent him a note just to say how how brilliant it was because it it really was I sent the Society of Authors a note too to say it was brilliant now you know clearly if you're writing a different kind of crime genre it might not have been as useful to you but I mean you could not have done for me a better webinar it was brilliant and it's made me think that maybe you know to support the Society of Authors because I've just done two of their webinars in the last couple of weeks. I did the Canva one and I did this one, both of which were brilliant. And I'm, and I'm kind of thinking in terms of reciprocity, well, I, I probably ought to think about joining the Society of Authors again, because if I'm going to get a lot of value from presentations like this, I really ought to be paying into the system. So that's on my list of things to look at. I have been a member before, but it looks like I might be resurrecting my membership because again, it's about reciprocity, isn't it? If you're getting great value from a service, I feel like I really ought to be supporting it. So all those links on the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Let's move on to personal news then. And I forgot to tell you last week that we had our wills appointment last week. We were, um, updating our wills you know the businesses in there and various other bits and pieces that you know that the kids inherit and uh, we were just sorting those out basically just making sure our wills reflected the fact that we've got three proper adult uh, children now and there are no sort of guardianship issues as there were the last time we did our will so that's just a kind of you know author management kind of job that I was doing and then also just to say a little bit more about that corporate training that I was doing this week it's the first corporate training I've done in a long time now I did um, some training when I was doing that job at the university but this is the corporate training that I used to do Uh, well how long ago was it now it might have been even three years ago it's a while ago now certainly two and a half years maybe three years ago and I used to do this now it's all done on uh, webinar now it's all done on zoom which is fantastic because I used to have to sort of you know drive and do a day's training and then drive back uh, this was just a two-hour training. Uh, I felt very sort of out of the groove. Really, uh, it was quite funny because it was not my Zoom account. It was the, the the people who I was doing the training for. It was their Zoom account, and they kind of had to hand hand it over to me ten minutes before. Uh, so, and, you, and it's a bit funny not sort of seeing your attendees. I had them on the video screen, but yeah, it just took a little bit little bit of getting used to because I've done more training one to one than I have as a group like that. But it worked. It worked very well. It was a two-hour webinar um and you know it was fun it's done I'm not sure whether I will do any more I, I, I won't ask about it I'll wait and see if I'm asked and then see how I feel at the time but um yeah I just felt a little bit out of that groove really that I was a little bit rusty as far as that was concerned but it only took up uh you know two hours on a Tuesday so it was fine enjoyable and nice to chat to the people who were part of the course as far as healthy author updates are concerned, this week uh, I have run the park run five kilometre last Saturday. I did a nature reserve 5k and spent a lot of time in, well actually I wasn't in the cafe last week, it was such a nice day. We were sitting out in the garden area last week, would you believe? We were absolutely, we were able to sit out in the UK for the first time and that was in February but yeah it was lovely and warm lovely and sunny and so we just sat outside and had a chat last week and I was there for a long time last week uh, chatting so that was good fun and then on Thursday I did my treadmill run in the garage and on Tuesday because I'd done the corporate training in the morning and I'd finished I finished it just after midday and then I was due to do a treadmill run in the afternoon but because I did the corporate training I thought well, that's that's fine for a day that's you know that's my work for the day I won't do any writing or anything like that Um, I had a couple of kids, of my kids who were available, and I said uh, to them, Do you fancy going to the nature reserve? I'll I'll go for a run. You guys go for a walk. I'll meet you at the uh, cafe and we'll go and have a. a a drink and a you know and a chocolate cake or whatever so I had a nice afternoon on Tuesday after I'd done that corporate training I went for a run and met the kids at the end and we had a nice sort of cake and a a nice sort of social so that's what I did on Tuesday instead of uh, writing it would have normally been a writing day but I thought well you know I've kind of I've justified my existence by doing that corporate training I've been paid for it so uh, that's fine I feel quite happy to go off and have a play for the afternoon so that's what I did and then also, I've done my stretching and weight sessions this week. I've, I've told you about the stretching. I don't know whether I've told you. Yeah, I've told you about the weights, haven't I? Because the weights were weights my wife had. And I'd looked at them and thought they were small. I'm sure I've told you this. I thought they were small. and thought, oh, I'll need something a bit more kind of, you know, manly than that. And then I tried doing a couple of exercise with these weights. And I was worn out. And my wife's weights were perfectly adequate for me. So I'm using my wife's weights to do these, uh, these weight sessions. Uh, it's really hard actually putting them behind your back and things like that they feel heavy very quickly so I did a, I did those a couple of times and I'm guessing more organized with this now because I had an app and the, I was kind of a bit all over the place with the app but the app lets me make my own exercise program and and you kind of compile a list of the things that you want to do and then it, it has a little kind of animated mod, uh, little figure that sort of shows you what you're supposed to do for each exercise and it, it talks you through it there's a voice that says you know rest for 20 seconds and then we'll start in five, five four three two one you know now do this 10 times and it just talks you through the whole program so I've now developed my program and when I was doing it on was it Thursday I was doing it whenever I was doing it last Thursday maybe and I thought oh actually I could do this more cleverly so I've now reorganized it so it should be better on Monday because it I just thought oh hang on this you know I'm jumping up and then doing some sitting exercises and then you're doing some laying exercises what I've done now is grouped them to sort of standing sitting lying exercises so I've got more of uh, I've got to the variety but I'm, I'm doing standing exercise club together sitting ex- exercises club together and it just works better for continuity and I was saying to my wife who I think's on board with this you know we really ought to look for a session at the local leisure centre on a Thursday or a Friday so either yoga or pilates or something like that so I think we're going to probably give that a try at some point in the future when we've both got uh, a free day and then so that that will continue I'll just do that now that's kind of what I'm doing now as my exercise routine but next Sunday so a week this Sunday I've got another 10k coming up which I'm really looking forward to so um uh, yeah that that'll be good I'm looking forward to the 10k I got it actually <laughs> I should say um my race number my race number came in the post today but I think I might have entered this race twice because I actually got two race numbers in the post today so either there's been an administration error or much more likely I entered the competition and then entered it again and forgot I'd already entered it. So I've got two race numbers here. So I had to, uh, I had to email the organiser and say, I have a feeling I made a cock up here. Which number would you like me to, to run in so that your records are correct? So that's a little bit of shenanigans around next week's 10k race. Ho-hum. If you'd like to check out my healthy author updates and photos, you can see those at Paul Teague, not, let's try and say that correctly. paulteague.net forward slash run. Okay, that's it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a great week of writing from me, Paul Teague. Bye-bye for now.